Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Three Point Weekly. And I'm going to pass this off pretty quick. I know what's probably going to be talked about first, but I'm just going to ask, what's the most memorable performance that you guys have over the last week? I'll give it to Gabe first. I know where he's going with it. (laughs) The king. The king of Cleveland. The king of L.A. Just a kid from Akron. 37 years old. I thought he just owned one franchise. I thought he just owned the Raptors. I didn't know he bought the Warriors, too. 56? Who was he playing with? No AD? Who else were they guarding? Malik Monk? I know you weren't guarding Russell Westbrook out there. Famous last words. Bro, he chucks barely worked. They were working last night. They were working last night. This man is simply... The greatest to ever do it. I mean, I don't know what else you can say. I mean, hey, I'm sorry. Did Michael Jordan own Steph Curry? I don't think so. I'm not going to take it that. I'm not going to take it that far. LeBron, LeBron, he's he's the best that we've ever seen in our in our era. He's the best we've ever seen. This man just he really ages like fine wine, man. And it's it's a shame that this Laker team is just that bad because. Braun has to do this for them to be relatively competitive. And if he's not doing this, they're losing by 20 points. Like, that's the craziest thing about it. But one of the four oldest players to drop 50 points in the game, LeBron James, is on that list with Jamal Crawford out of all people, Michael Jordan, and Kobe Bryant. Only fitting. Hey, LeBron got to be having high-tier back spasms after last night because that boy, he said he had, he had one of these on. He had one of these. The backpack. That was ridiculous. I'm, I don't know what else to say. I mean, I cannot deny the greatness any longer. Skip Bayless, the ball is in your court. He still found a way. He still he, found he, a way. He still found a way all night last night. <laughs> he he, he right. still found a way. He, he's been too busy beefing with Westbrook's, what is it, his wife, right? Yeah. Or his mom or something. I know there's somebody related to Westbrook. Skip, yeah, that's yeah, what skips. it was. He was complaining about the fact he only had three assists. That's what it was. Yeah. Skips like a Hall, Hall of Nobody fame else hater. can score. Nobody else can score. <laughs> Bruh, imagine, imagine being the king. You're the king, and all your soldiers got pea shooters. <laughs> play make well, you can't make LeBron them. Do a, I'm sorry. People say, people say, bro, LeBron doesn't have – he doesn't have as many 50-point games as Kobe and Mike. He's simply not like that. Nah. Nah, if he wanted to be like that, he showed y'all last night. Yeah, bro, he's so, like that. He's so meticulous because I know y'all saw um, on his his show on HBO the the shop. I think it's on HBO or Showtime, something like that. But he was saying like how he feels disrespected when people don't mention him among like the best scores ever because he is he's number three all the time and he's probably gonna be number one by the time he retires. And nobody really mentions him like as the best scorer ever. They mention Mike. They mention Kobe, they mention KD, and others, but they don't mention LeBron. And then he goes out and drops 56. I feel like he did that to prove a hey. point. I really do. He only continues to get better. Like, LeBron came into the league. He was freight train, go to the rim. They said, man, he can barely work on the perimeter. Nah. He got that three. A little bit later on, he, he got that in-between game. His post fade is among the best in the game. Like, and that's that's no hyperbole. I, this is... A lot of this is hyperbolized because you got to do it for the content. But all <laughs> facts, 
LeBron has one of the best fades in the game. And then I, I, I think an underrated thing is what's always been the biggest knock on LeBron's game? Maybe not the biggest, but one of the biggest, his free throw shooting. What happened last night? I think they were up six, maybe, either five or six. And LeBron made two clutch free throws to basically seal the game. I think that made it to three possessions at the end. Hey, what what can you criticize? You can say, oh, he didn't pass last night. We've seen him pass enough times. I, I, what else? I don't know what else you can say. You just got to acknowledge the greatness. Are the Lake? Is this going to flip the script for the Lakers? I don't know. That's a whole other conversation. AD oh still God. out. It seems like the only other player that wants to play is Malik Monk. But hey. I'll give Stanley Johnson his credit, too. He can't score, but he puts in the work. Yeah, but I think um, my biggest takeaway from this game, we know LeBron's amazing. He's one of the best ever. What's going on with the Warriors? I feel like it's time to have that conversation, man, because I don't, I'm, I don't want to hear the Draymond excuses. I know he's out. But this team, I think even when he was playing, I still wasn't that much of a believer in them. I, I've said many times, I think the gap – between them and the Phoenix Suns is bigger than people think. So what do y'all think is – are the Warriors real contenders this year? Because I'm not too sure about it. Yes. Devin, I'll let you go first, but yes. I'm not too – I'm not sold, man. I'm, I'm just going to throw this out there just, just to stir the pot a bit. I'm not saying I agree with, with the stats as far as how things will continue moving forward. But D-Flow Hoops tweeted last night, uh, with Clay Thompson, the Golden State Warriors – have a 52.6% winning percentage with his 15th best in the league. Without him, second best in the league as far as record goes. Defensive rating with him is 15th. And without him, it ranks first. I'm not saying Clay's the problem, but since Clay has been back at the very least, this team has not been playing the same. Now, again, part of that has been without Raymond. But I think it's fair to ask some questions about this team right now. That Curry slump has been a part of that but they haven't necessarily been the same team. Andrew Wiggins, his production has been down horrendously since the all-star break and they need his offense on this team to be consistent. They need 18, 20 a night from him to have that level of offensive production. I think Kaminga has been good. Uh, I think Jordan Poole's still been fine, but without Draymond, this team really has to be firing on all cylinders and it hasn't been, it just hasn't. Guys haven't been hitting their shots enough. Uh, defensive intensity isn't there as much as it's needed sometimes from certain guys in the lineup. I think they can still be a contender, but I think this last stretch heading into the playoffs is important for them. They're going to have to start winning some games and get some confidence back. And Clay is going to have to start playing better as well. Simply put, he hasn't been good enough. He sure has come back from a serious injury, but he needs to at least hit his threes at the bare minimum. Hey, Draymond, I'll just say he facilitates that whole offense. And in his own words, he said, like, I'm the guy responsible for making sure that Steph, Clay, when they used to have KD, probably at this point Wiggins, anybody else, he makes sure they all get their good shots within the offense to keep them calm, to keep them in rhythm, to keep everything flowing smooth. And I think without him there, it's really hard to integrate Clay back because when everybody's trying to figure out their new roles, you got Jordan Poole still going to want his shots, Andrew Wiggins, everybody with Clay who's – an all-star player was before he went out is coming back. He's going to take a lot of shots. And I think not having your facilitator there to really get everything balanced to the best of its ability. I think that's a bigger 
that's a very large impact. So I really feel like the numbers are skewed. And the fact that Draymond went out so soon after Clay came back, yeah, the defense being worse with that with Clay back. At the same token, that's when Draymond's not playing. So you got a top three defender in the league out. I mean, yeah, your defense is gonna drop. And then you have a guy off of a ma- like major leg injury. Obviously, he's not going to be back up to speed right away. So, yeah, I mean, I think the numbers are very skewed, and I don't think that you can really make big judgments off of a Draymondless Warriors when we saw how good they were with him. And really, Curry hasn't been as bad recently. Like last night, he had a pretty efficient 30-piece, which – if everybody else is firing and the offense is flowing, I think 30 from Steph is definitely enough. Yeah, it's just – I know Clay hasn't played with Draymond yet really this season. I mean, because the game he came back, Draymond was basically – he was hurt at that point, but he just wanted to be on the court with Clay um, when he came back. So it is tough because Draymond is such a vital piece of this team. But you would still think this team with all this championship pedigree, they would still be able to – at least weather the storm without Draymond Green, even as impactful as he is. But they haven't been able to do that, and they've really looked like a bad basketball team. They've been losing to teams that they should not lose to, teams that they're better than. Um, and what I think, Devin, you mentioned before, like they're 2-8 and eight in their last 10 games. That's not Warrior basketball, no matter who's on the court. So I, I just – it raises a lot more questions about this team. Like, I'm not as confident with them going into, like, a seven-game series against the Phoenix Suns as maybe I was early on in the season. Because I just think the Suns, when healthy, are a much better team, much more well-rounded. And you kind of see that even though they're missing CP3, Devin Booker, they're still playing productive basketball. And the Warriors are not at this point. And it's tough because trying to integrate Clay Thompson is not an easy thing because he's missed two years of basketball. He's going to need his 20 shots. And then it kind of takes away from, like, maybe Wiggins, that's throwing his rhythm off. It might even be throwing Steph's rhythm off, too. So it's, it's a lot to ask. And then getting Draymond back, they're going to have to reintegrate their, themselves together it might be a, a lot to ask for this team with just, you know, not a lot of basketball left in the regular season. Let me ask you guys this. Uh, to me, a contender, I think, to me, that's like you're a top five team in the league because if injuries fall your way and, like, seeding falls your way, like, you get enough luck, you can be the fifth best team in the league and win a ring. Realistically, I feel like we've seen that happen plenty of times. And so, yeah, I would agree that Suns are better I feel like that's just obvious. But then that's also a team who their top two players aren't playing right now. And obviously they're still getting wins, but like that's the regular season. And when they're keyed in on you more in the playoffs, game planning for you, like your own stars not being healthy, like that's going to factor in. And even to go away from the Suns comparison, because obviously when both are healthy, it's like, I feel like that's, that's not a valid comparison to make right now. But comparing them against the other top teams, if you say Grizzlies versus Warriors, yeah, Draymond's playing, which I assume he will be by that point. I'm taking the Warriors in a seven-game series. The Grizzlies are explosive, but they're young. I mean, I'm just – I feel like the safe bets there is the Warriors. And then you go over to the Eastern Conference and see maybe some of the other top five teams, like Philly. I, Philly's still a question mark. Their sample size is so small playing together. I'm really high on it right now, that. but – you I'm can't, actually you can't super bought in. I'm super bought in on Philly now. I'm, I'm very high on them. <laughs> and so, but to me, I could say the only teams that I realistically see taking down the Warriors in seven could be Phoenix and Philly. 
maybe Milwaukee. Maybe. I would take the. I I would take. I think the Bucks could. I think the Bucks could. Yeah. Well, I, I even think below, that's probably it though. Below the Suns, 76ers, and Bucks, I'm not taking the Heat over the Warriors. I'm not taking the Nets over the Warriors the way they are right now. Not taking the Bulls. Not taking anybody else in the East. Um, I don't take the Jazz seriously as contenders. I'm sorry. It's the same team that hasn't been able to get over the hump for the past five years. And anybody below that, I would not call a contender. So, yeah, I mean, if you said the the contenders are the top five teams in the league, really, if somebody else takes out the Suns, if the Suns get upset in, like, the second round or something, I think the Warriors could go to the finals easy. I don't see that happening. If – we never know what happens with the Sixers. If the Sixers lose, I can see the Warriors winning it all. So I think the fact that they have a realistic path to the championship makes them still a contender in my eyes. That's fair. I still think, like, of course, like, they're going to be in the mix, but it's just not like – this is not just a Warriors-type team in my eyes. Um, and even when they get to the postseason, they got guys that have never been there. Wiggins has – Never been there, or he's been there once. Like, he doesn't really have that much experience. Jordan Poole has not been there. They, they're they relying on guys that have not played playoff basketball or a lot of playoff basketball. And they're going up against teams that, you know, have a lot of experience. I don't know, man. It's it's going to be interesting for sure. Um, they there's still have just a good, as good of a chance because they have that core group. And I'm hoping Clay will get his rhythm back. Draymond will be back healthy. That's going to be a big lift. But I'm not. I'm just not as confident in this team, man. I'm just not as confident as I would be in a typical Warriors basketball team. Yeah, I can agree with that. I, another thing to think of too, as of right now, they'd be playing Denver, which presumptively would have Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray back. I still think Golden State wins that series, but that's probably not comfortable. It's probably going to go deep. The Warriors are going to get more tired. It's another thing to play into effect. Like, I don't think any series against Denver, even if Jamal and MPJ are just kind of getting back into it, is going to be an easy one. So, I like you said, Tyreek, like Golden State losing this many games in a row, having this long of a poor run of form, just isn't typical for them, Draymond or not. And so Draymond coming back certainly will help, but there's something deeper than Draymond. I don't think Draymond coming back fixes all of what's going on right now. Yeah, man, we'll, we'll just have to see. Um... It does suck that – but, I mean, a lot of teams are dealing with injuries right now, so you got to adjust. you got to be able to win games without certain guys. So we'll see if they can get out of this slump, man. But um, I guess losing LeBron when he dropped 56 isn't that much of, like, a thing to hold your head down about because LeBron had, had an historic night. So Sometimes LeBron just does that. I know that all too well, unfortunately. <laughs> we, all, we all do. <laughs> we all do. Let's talk about the I guess Grizzlies. the thing – I'm, I'm sorry. Real quick, I just yeah. want to say my last thought. The reason I'm really not too crazy concerned is just because of the teams they've been playing in this stretch. Now, literally, besides the Lakers, who they did beat like a few games ago, and then lost this game with LeBron dropping an unreal game, they've been playing a solid competition. Like, they lost by one to the Nuggets, had – two close ones against the Mavericks that they came up short in. But then, like, they played against the Trailblazers and they blew them out by, like, 40. And so they've been playing against good teams that are playing really good ball right now. True, but these are the teams that you're probably going to see 
at some point in the postseason. So you want to be able to beat those teams when you can, honestly, especially when it comes to seeding and all that. Um, of course, you should beat the, the Trailblazers by 40. I mean, the Suns beat them the other night by 40 without Booker or CP3. Like, you should beat that team. Just saying. <laughs> All right. I'm good to move on now, though. <laughs> okay, we got to nah, talk but... about the DT seed in the West. Yeah, for yeah. sure. So, we got, we got Phoenix. We know what they're doing. Golden State are doing their thing. Hopefully, they can get back on track. But how good are Memphis legitimately heading into playoff time? Jaw's doing his thing. Bain's been in a bit of a slump, but he's been great. This team's been the surprise of the NBA, but are they actually contenders? That's the question. Let's push that narrative. Let's push that narrative right now. Jaw's an MVP candidate. He's top three. Hey, he's top three. Honestly, he might be. We forgot. He just dropped 50 earlier this week. Like, I honestly forgot yeah, about that. This week's been wild for big performances. Wild. Hey, Absolutely wild. Hey, all I'm saying is Embiid has two other big-time scorers next to him. Now, his numbers might fall off a little bit. They might fall off a little bit. I don't hey, know. The, East is, so close. the yeah. East is so close, Giannis could drop to the sixth seed at any time. He could drop to a sixth seed at any time. Jokic is a sixth seed right now. Jock is really close. If if the Grizzlies stay top two, just say they stay top two, he should get a lot of consideration because his jump this season is crazy. Um, he, he'll probably win most improved just because, like, his jump has been like that. But he should really be in talks for MVP. I don't think that's too far-fetched to say. And it's crazy because the race kind of fluctuates every single week because guys – have a big game, guys have a bad week. Like, DeMar just had kind of a, a off week. So, he's dropping in people's rankings. Jaws slowly rising up, and he's been on the rise all season long. It might be time to push the narrative. I'm with you, Gabe. It might, it might be time to push it. I'm just going to be honest. Like, Giannis is having a great season. It's definitely an MVP caliber season, but I think that voter fatigue is working against him so heavily, which is weird because he didn't even win the award last year. But it just feels like voter fatigue is super against him. And it's like people just don't want to vote for Giannis, which I get because, honestly, the Bucks were not where they should have been for a lot of the season. But he, as an individual, has still been great. And as of now, they're literally in the three seed and half a game away from the two seed in a very competitive conference. So he definitely has a case, but I just feel like he won't win it because of that fatigue. And so, to me, that really leaves Embiid and Ja at the top. Jokic has all the stats in the world, but I feel like it's not enough mixed with his relatively low level of popularity relative to other stars to push him above Embiid or Ja. I feel like Giannis is in a tough spot where between voter fatigue, the Bucks have already got a ring, so there's not as much as like, oh, let's hope that Giannis can do something different this year to get a title. A smaller market. I feel like Giannis is going to have to do just something above and beyond he's ever done in his career to get that type of MVP recognition again. Like this guy's going to have to start shooting like 37% from deep to, to get recognition. He very much should over. be in that conversation for sure, but I think there's just a lot of factors working against him right now where it's like when LeBron just stopped winning MVPs after he'd won multiple in a row. Like LeBron was probably and was the best, still, still the best player in the league. 
but eventually he just wasn't getting it. Sure, Curry probably deserved a few of those where he was just the best player in that season, but LeBron probably should have had a couple more, but ultimately it's like, what more is LeBron going to do to build his MVP narrative this year? It just wasn't there. So I think Giannis is going to run into a similar problem, not to say that he's going to deserve all of them moving forward, but I think he's definitely going to struggle to get multiple MVPs moving forward because of that. Well, I think after the heat days, LeBron kind of started to take the regular season a little bit easy, had a little bit of like load management. And really, I don't think he had a great MVP case just because he really did his talking in the playoffs. I don't think he had another great like MVP case until 2018. And even then he did finish second. And James Harden had a crazy season that year. He definitely deserved that one seed. We saw how great that team was even into the playoffs, so it was legit. And he had, like, 30, 30-point games in a row. And so it's usually just whoever – if you secure, like, a top two seed and have great stats, that's usually an MVP season. I think Giannis will definitely achieve that a lot more. It's just once you set the bar, you got to go beyond what you set. And the fact that his team won MVPs winning with the team winning, like, 60 games – like, you basically got to break your own bar. It's like LeBron had three MVPs already, but 12-13 was the best season of his career up to that point. And so until he breaks what he did before, I don't think he'll win another one. But do I think he can break what he did before? Absolutely. It's just not this season. Yeah, but to answer the initial question, um, I'm not – I think the Grizzlies can make some real noise, but I have a feeling that – their lack of experience is really going to end up catching up to them at some point in the postseason. Um, I could see them winning a series um, in the first round for sure. But then second round, depending on who they match up with, maybe it's the Warriors. That experience just might catch up to them, the lack of experience. So I don't know. I think they'll they'll make a nice little run, but I don't think they're like true contenders. I still feel like they're like a year or two away from that, even as great as the season has been for them. Yeah, the best the best is ahead of them. They're still young. Like for guys as far as vets with NBA experience, it's like their playoff experience, it's like Steven Adams. And then it falls off pretty quick. Like it's a young team. Sure they had a bit of a run in last year with Utah, but this is just another step forward. If they get bounced comfortably in the second round, it's not a bad thing for them. No one expected them to be anywhere near where they are this year. This is a team that's a few years away from being a contender, and there's nothing wrong with that. They're way ahead of schedule. Jaw's only going to get better. Zaire Williams is continuing to look better throughout the year. Desmond Bain has been way better than a lot of people expected and ahead of schedule. Jaron Jackson Jr. has been good. Like, there's so much to, to look forward to on this team. Everyone's young. They're good. They don't need to do anything special this year. I don't think they will, but a couple years from now, Chris Paul gets older. He's not with the Suns. Who knows what's going on in Golden State? Memphis might be on top of the West for a while. Hey, if Ja matches up in a seven-game series with Chris Paul, Steph Curry, or Luka Doncic, and somehow manages to outplay them during that stretch, he's going to play himself in a lot of conversations. A lot of conversations. I think there's an argument that he's he might be the best point guard this year. I think there's a legit case for that. Yeah, definitely. And he's, tw- he's, t- he's still only 22. Like, that's the crazy it's thing. Crazy. This guy's 22. This the only thing I get worried. He's a year older than me. Like, what? The only thing I get worried <laughs> about, um, like, young teams having so much success early on, I feel like it sets the expectation so high for them. 
And sometimes they don't achieve it. Like I've seen it with the Celtics, like when they made that conference finals run in 2018 with a rookie Jason Tatum, young Jalen Brown, everybody's like, oh, this, this team's going to be on top of the Eastern Conference next season. And then the expectation was set so high that they did not meet that expectation. And the Hawks are kind of dealing with the same thing. They made the conference finals last year a little prematurely. And now you see them struggling this season. So I hope that doesn't happen with Memphis. But I don't, I don't think it will because I think they're so well coached. They're so good at developing young talent that they're only going to get better. And, you know, a guy like Zaire Williams might turn out next year to be like a, a super gem and just explode like we've seen Desmond Bain do this year. They just do that with guys. Like guys develop so well in that system. So I think I think they won't run into that wall that some other young teams have in the past. I'm hopeful of that. Memphis team being a small terrifies. market team might help that as well. They'll probably have less media attention, less expectation. Internally, they'll probably have it, but it's not like a Boston where it's a bigger market. You have those expectations from the media. It's a bit easier to deal with unless people continue to push the job narrative in the media, which might happen, and, well, then that changes. But as of right now, small market, a little bit less expectation. This team just terrifies me so much because I feel like they're in one of those positions where they're a young team having success, and I feel like they're going to think, oh, we're a piece away. And then I feel like they might buy in too early, and they might mess around and, tr like, trade, like, a Brandon Clark and, like, a DeAnthony Melton and a couple pieces that maybe secure, like, them and, like, one other, like, high-tier player to trade for, like, a Bradley Beal or something. Or, like, not exactly that, but just the general notion of I feel like they might sacrifice a little bit too much depth to try and buy in for a star or something. They just give me kind of that vibe. They're going to be like, oh, we have that success. And I really hope they don't do it. And I really – believe that this front office will make the right decisions because they've clearly done a great job with this rebuild and building this team but please if anybody from memphis is listening to this do not make a trade and buy in too hard because the depth of this team is really what makes them great john moran is an amazing player but we saw even when he was out they still played great and even when john plays great the players around him still play off of him so well they really don't rely on a bunch of star power. They just rely on having a lot of great players that just fill their roles perfectly. And I really hope they continue to do that. Yeah, I agree. They, they have such a good culture. As you mentioned, their depth is so good. If they want to make a move around the fringes, I could see that because they have like 13 solid rotational NBA players right now. So if they wanted to make a move around the fringes, they could. But they only got two guys up on contract at the end of the year, Tyus Jones and Kyle Anderson. Most of this group's going to be back. Like you say, doesn't make that much sense to make a big splash right now. What you have works. The culture around this team is what makes it so good. The defensive intensity on this team makes it so good. They don't have to do anything drastic. They have the pieces here that they need as far as a core standpoint goes. You have Bain and Jared Jackson Jr. around your superstar and jaw. They got what they need. So something I want to get into because it's happening literally right now as we're recording this. Jason Tatum, it says, just tied the record with Larry Bird for the most 50-point games in Celtics history. Jason Tatum is only 23 right now. I know maybe a little bit more score-heavy of an era than the 80s, 90s, 2000s. Still very impressive to get it done this fast. With that, I want to ask, because I feel like there's a lot of debate about this, what tier of player like when it comes to young players, is Jason Tatum on? 
I want I want you to start with this, Tyree, because you're the Celtics fan in the building. But I feel like there's a lot it? of discourse. Like, is he like MVP potential? Is he just perennial All NBA? Is he like a guy that can be the number one on a championship team? What like what kind of level? I think How he has MVP. I think he has MVP type talent. I think. When he's at his best, like, obviously, you know, scoring 50 points, that's outrageous. But when he's playing his best, like how he has, like, over, like, the last 10 games, he's been really good, um, really efficient, been playmaking better. He's been – his shot selection has been a lot better. When he's playing at that level, definitely an MVP caliber type of guy in my eyes. I think he has all the potential in the world to win multiple MVPs. I think he's that kind of guy. It's just about him putting it all together and staying consistent with it, which we don't see a lot from him. Um, I think he can get to that level. And I, he's right up there with, like, the best of the young players. You know, he's up there with Aluka, you know, Trey Youngs, the John Morantz. He's right up there on that type of tier. I think I think he needs to just separate himself, man, because I think he has the type – I think he's most the more talented out of the group. It's just a matter of, like I said, putting it all together, which we haven't seen consistently from him for, like, a full season. But maybe this is the stretch that can, you know, propel him into that mold. Yeah, I agree. It's it's putting it together for Tatum. He's shown that upside and that potential to be an MVP candidate type guy. Whether he reaches it is just in question. And he's still super young. He's got a lot of time to put it together. I ultimately kind of see him as a borderline superstar type guy who sometimes he is, sometimes he isn't, depending on how good he's playing. I'd love to see him prove that wrong. And he just goes to the I'm more consistent, I'm always a superstar type guy. I just haven't seen that from him yet. And as much as he is young, I don't know if I can give him the benefit of the doubt. I have him. I I have my thoughts on him as a borderline superstar. I think he's a top 10 guy in the league in his prime. I don't think there's any doubt about that guy's going to have 10 plus all-star appearances. If he stays healthy, I just don't see it currently with the level of consistency that I've seen where he's going to be a consistent top five, top three MVP candidate. See, because to me, I feel like the way he plays and just like the things I see this man do, I really feel like he is on the same tier as a Luca or a Trey or a Booker or a Mitchell, any of like the young stars, Ja, any of the ones that are going to be like running the league for the next like 10 or so years. I feel like those might be like the top six to eight and really might fill most of that top six to eight like list for a lot of the next decade. Now, I don't consider Giannis a young player, but he'll probably be up there in the top five for at least the next probably seven or so years. Maybe that's a little long. At least Giannis will be in the top 10 for at least that long, I believe. But Tatum has just been so like, just, I feel like, I feel like when the moment's there, he is just always on to me. Maybe I'm a little high on him, but, like, seeing what he did against Brooklyn last year, the team obviously did not have that much success, but Tatum was out of his mind. The bet, When he's at his best, it's really, like, a sight to see. Like, he's he has one of the deepest bags in the league on the offensive side of the floor, and I think his defense has actually been a lot better. Um, I don't think he gets a lot of credit for his defensive side. But he's been a lot – he's been really good on that side of the floor this season. 
His playmaking is improving slowly, but surely he's getting there. He's had games where he's had like seven, eight assists this season. He's been playmaking a lot better. Like we said, man, it's just a matter of putting it all together consistently. If he gets the consistency down, he's going to be like a top five player in the league easily once he steps into his prime. Yeah, no, I agree. It, that's that's honestly the only thing that needs to be done. If he can have that level of consistency where those brilliant moments happen on the regular, then there's no doubt he's an MVP candidate type guy. We just need to see it yeah. happen. But if that it's happens, just, his playmaking improves a bit as well. It's going to be scary. It's just, it's just sometimes the lows of Jason Tatum is just so bad. Like, he'll go eight for 30. I'm like, bro, you can't do that. Yeah, you know, it's not like the lows just, are six for 15 yeah. for 17 points. It's they're, No, it's they're, eight yeah. for 30, nine for 32. It's just terrible. And then my biggest issue with him is, like, closing games. Like, he's had so many struggles closing games because he likes to take the pretty tough hero ball shots. Instead of just putting his head down, trying to get the best shot, he takes the pretty shots. And when they go in, it looks very good. But when they miss, it looks terrible. So that's just my only thing with Jason Tatum. But this season, I mean, as bad as it started for him, he's definitely much improved. I would love to see his numbers since, like, maybe Christmas because I feel like he's been putting up some crazy stats. I just think the expectation is so high for him, given the way his career started that I feel like he's judged a little more harshly than a lot of the top players. I feel like when Tatum plays poorly, I feel like it's a lot more talked about when, like, the rest of this kind of group of the top young players, like, maybe put in a not-so-great performance or have an off night. So, with that said, it's like, I, dude, I feel like in, like, maybe, like, 2024, I feel like he could take an MVP home. Let Boston secure a one seed with Tatum as the number one option. I really feel like he might, he might turn some heads, especially in a conference that'll still have Embiid and Giannis and a growing Cavs team. Hopefully, Lamelo and Charlotte gets things going. The future of the East can be really good, and it's like, bro, Tatum pulls that out. This dude is different to me. I mean, the fact that this team is potentially a home court advantage team in the first round compared to how they started the season, a lot of that is to do with Jason Tatum, a lot of it. Yeah, I agree. And like you mentioned, uh, Tariq, his defense is super underrated. He definitely doesn't get anywhere near enough credit for that. Uh, everyone likes to focus on the offense, but really good defensive piece. And Yeah, no, he's super important. If he If he fully – can stay consistent. There's there's nothing stopping him but himself. He's got all the all the talent and potential in the world, no doubt. I think so too. Um, do y'all want to guess the top ten scoring leaders? Just a little fun, little trivia that we can do. Top ten scoring leaders. I don't think I've looked at that all year, so that sounds like something I haven't be terrible at, but <laughs> it sounds like a great time. Aren't Embiid and Giannis like battling for the scoring title? Uh, Joel Embiid is number one. LeBron is up there at number three, I think, or something like that after last night. Yep. Yeah. That's the top three. Joel's number one. He's 0.1 ahead of LeBron and Giannis. 29.5 for Joel. Giannis and Braun, 29.4. So that's 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 a very close scoring race. This really might go down to like the last week of the season, honestly. So y'all got the first three. That's pretty easy. Seven more. I would not be surprised. I would not be surprised if the top five is rounded out by Trey Young and DeMar. 
DeMar's number four, 28.1. Trey Young, 28 points per game. Number five, okay. Hey, I got the, I just got the top five in order. <laughs> There's not really, like, any super uh, surprising names in here. If you I feel think like about Steph, it. Steph and KD, if KD counts, if it's just KD, per game, it doesn't count missed games. KD does not count. Y'all is going to be six or seven. Jaw is seven. Steph is ten. And Steph he's on the verge 10. of he's on the verge of being out of the top ten. Devin Booker's like point two behind him. And we were just talking 11. about Tatum. I feel like Tatum has to be in the top ten. Tatum's number eight. Twenty six point five. Twenty six point five points per game. Well, we're missing six six and six nine. Six and nine. Yep, six and nine. Luca. We did not say Luca Doncic yet. Luca is number six. Twenty seven point eight per game. Who is number nine? How much does Steph average? 25.8. 26. I doubt Beal counts. No. Okay, this guy, this guy's a, he's a bucket getter. He's one of the best playoff performers in the league. Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell, bro. (laughs) Great guess. 25.9. Damn. And I, clearly, I'm guilty of this too. It's just so hard to even think of Donovan Mitchell when you're thinking of things because Utah is just so off the map. But uh-huh. Donovan Mitchell is great. I got to give Donovan Mitchell my flower every single time I can because the man, the man is he, he could be a superstar. If he was in a bigger market, I really believe people would be talking about him exactly how they talk about John Moran right now. I think so too. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I'm I'm guilty of not watching a lot of Utah basketball either because it's the same thing I've watched for the last two three years now. Like I'm not seeing anything different anytime I watch Utah. They're the I new know what I'm getting. I know what they're gonna do. They're gonna funnel everything to Rudy. Donovan's gonna carry the offense. They I tried to watch them this week and I just like I couldn't do it. Like it's just like uh, this is Donovan's showtime for sure. But it's like. Everything else, I just uh, – and I like Mike Conley. He's one of my favorite guards in the league. I don't dislike Rudy. I know Rudy's impact is – I know what it is, but it's just like I just don't like watching this team, man, which maybe I'm being ungrateful because they're still a very good team. But, man, I just cannot watch them night in and night out. They just need to make a change. I don't know if they can. But it's like the only change they've made is getting off of Joe Ingles, and it really wasn't for much. Yeah, once they once they extended Rudy, they kind of just locked themselves in until Mitchell either resigned or leaves. Which is it's like you can't re- like you can't fault them for that. Just like how you can't fault them for paying Mike Conley a lot of money this past offseason because it's like, what else are they gonna do? They're yeah, not they gonna to draft. They're not going to be able to draft anybody because they're not going to have a top pick. Nobody's going to go there. That's a significant free agent. Kind of have to, you know, give Rudy the super max extension. You got to give an old Mike Conley a lot of money to stay. So it's they're just in a tough situation, man. And I think they're a team kind of like how Gabe just said they're the new Portland. They've just maximized everything that they could do. And this group is not going to. I don't think this group is going to get you know them to the promised land, which is ultimately a championship. It's just the small market struggle. It's like if you draft well enough, you can get one or two stars, and then usually getting that like third really good guy. I feel like you kind of get through a trade with some other like pieces you have. It's like 
that, I mean, that's pretty much what Milwaukee did. It just got them over the hump because Giannis is a level above most other superstars. The Raptors got Kawhi. They had, like, Kyle and Pascal played great that year. So, I would consider him, like, a second star for that point. And, they yeah, they made the trade, traded DeMar and some pieces for Kawhi, and that's how they won it. I mean, not that Toronto's a small city, but it's hard to get free agents because of the national boundary. But, yeah, like, things like that, it's like if the Mavericks ever get a big star to put alongside Luka, it'll probably just have to be they draft well if they make a trade. And that's really the name of the game. I don't know if – I don't really don't know if Utah can get much better, though, because it's like they have their two stars. They have their third guy they got. Donovan Mitchell is great. I just said he was great. But is he honest level? Probably not. So it's like, does that take you to where you want to be? Once again, probably not. And they don't really have that, like, elite second guy on offense either. Like, it's not yeah. like you have Giannis and then you have Middleton or or even just one of a Middleton or a Drew Holiday. Like, Mike Connolly is good. But he's not the Mike Conley we used to know four or five years ago. Like, he's not going out getting 20 a night, making a ton of clutch buckets down the stretch as much as he was. After that, like, there's fine pieces, but they don't really have anyone at that type of level around Side Donovan that they can really rely on come playoff time. So, it, it's not a direct comparison. I know it's a bit unideal because of Mike Conley being on both teams, but based on being a small market and kind of where they are stuck at, it almost reminds me of Memphis with Randolph and Marcus all and Mike Conley, where they were a really good team. They did get in and around some conference finals, but they weren't quite good enough to really be a top tier contender. I'd say that Memphis team was probably slightly better, but they're just a small market team that doesn't really have anywhere else to go. This is just the best option they have. Uh, that's, that's a great comparison. Um, I want to ask you guys, what would be that ideal second guy to Donovan Mitchell? Would it be a, a wing or maybe an upgrade over Mike Conley, which is tough to say? Or, you know, what kind of second option would be ideal for this Utah Jazz team? This is going to sound so random, but, bro, if the Celtics ever split up the Jays, bro, if I saw Donovan Mitchell and Tatum next to each other, that would be crazy. Oh, that's okay. That would be I crazy. That's Mitchell just would something. be the second option at that point. <laughs> yeah. That's just that's wild. I feel like they're a one A and one B. Yeah, probably. I feel like they're a one A and one B. And I I would like him with a forward. I think he can work with a good big man. I wish he had one with a little bit more offensive capabilities just to take the scoring load off of him. Cause I think if you have a second star that Plays, like, can take some of the scoring load off, but is also more of a defensive impact. I think that's the perfect thing. And that's why I say a guy like Tatum that's, like, has the scoring, but then is also has that defensive impact as well. I really like that. Something that's probably not very likely to happen as well. Him with, like, a Bam out of bio, I feel like would be really good. Because Bam has more of an offensive game than, like, a Rudy, and he's still a great defender. I feel like so, something just tells me they would mesh really well together especially the way I feel like they can elevate their games in certain situations. I feel like Bam's a guy who can really elevate at certain times. So that's, that's a duo I'd like to see. And then something that was probably even less likely, Mitchell and Zion would be really fun. If Zion got out of New Orleans, but the thing is if Zion got out of New Orleans, he's not going to he be going a smaller to market. 
so that's why that's like impossible pretty much unless they both sign somewhere as free agents or like zion got traded somewhere and mitchell just left in free agency but that's probably the least likely scenario out of all of them i think realistically um i think jeremy grant i feel like we spoke about this before but i feel like he would be kind of perfect because he's a little more low maintenance he can defend he, he, I think he could thrive as a second option at Utah. Is he um, low maintenance anymore, though? As yeah, I was going to say, I, don't, I feel like he's not low maintenance. The way he's like, could doesn't be. want to leave Detroit because he doesn't, he doesn't want to go back to a lower option. True, but I think he could still, he could still get his, you know, 16, 17, 18 shots a game if he really wants it, because they need offense in Utah, like consistent shot creation. Um, somebody of that mold, but there's not really a lot of like wings in the league that would be available for trade you would think that are super impactful you know because the clippers have two of the most elite wings on one roster and then it's like all the other ones are like young guys or guys that are not going to be easy to trade for so it's like jeremy grant should be easier to trade for than other guys but maybe he's not i don't know but that's the ideal type of guy that i i can think of off the top of my head just like a a two-way wing that can create shots and will be a cool second option to Donovan Mitchell. I just think if you're trying to say, like, to get them over the hump, if Mitchell's your one and Jeremy Grant is your two, I don't think you're a championship contender. I think That's why most of the guys better, that though. I listed, that's why, like, I, I don't know, I kind of want guys that are, like, 1Bs, maybe even 1As to Mitchell being a 1B, and they're, like, kind of tied for whoever's that top guy on any given night. Because I feel like if you were saying Mitchell is the one and you're trying to compete for a title – it's pretty much got to be somebody that's just as good as Donovan as your other guy. Because while he is great, I feel like he's not on that top, top, number one on a championship team type level. It's just tough because those guys just aren't available, though. So this seems just – they're in they're in purgatory. They're in purgatory. Well, yeah. Like it'll, it'll probably – any of these situations that happen is probably Donovan going to the other guy's team, not the other guy coming to Utah. Yeah. Yeah, or you would have to give up Rudy, which say what you want about Rudy, he's still super important to this team, man. Like he is. And I don't think he would him. have that much value in a trade just because of his contract. And like he's way. valuable to Utah, but he is yeah. way less valuable to any other organization because Utah have just made this team need Rudy. Like they he, they don't have a defense without him. Is he two hundred million? Is he making that much? He's 158 guaranteed over the next five years. He will be God. making 38 million next year. Rudy, he's just one of those like roster limiters, I would call it. It's like a player with a flaw or exploit that limits the things you can put around them, and I think that makes his value a lot lower in trades. It's like like when we were just talking about like the Fox Halliburton thing, because Halliburton fits so much better with everybody. That's probably what made him look more enticing in a trade, and that's probably why they traded him, even if it was still stupid. Hey, that's a perfect segue because we got to talk about this, man. I We have to talk about this. First off, Kings fans just need to be realistic with themselves. You guys lost this trade. You were not happy with my video this week. They are not like yeah. it. Bro, somebody was in my comments about my Tyrese video, which I dropped like two weeks ago, was really arguing with me that they won this trade. And he was like, Tyrese is not going to be that good. I'm like, bro, 
it's okay to be a fan. It's also okay to admit that your team made a very bad trade. You guys lost this trade in the long term, most likely, and you're probably losing it in the short term because you're not even going to make the play in. Like, come on, man. The Kings, this has to be the worst front office in all of sports. They're worse than the Pelicans. They're worse than the Detroit Lions. I don't know anything about hockey, but they're probably worse than every every team in hockey. Uh, my team in hockey is rough, but it's close. It's close. And this team <laughs> is just terrible, bro. Like, you made this trade, all these moves at the deadline to buy in for the play-in, and you're not even going to make the play-in, bro. You're not making yeah. it. The Pelicans are significantly better than the Kings right now. Yeah. It's embarrassing. It is. So embarrassing. It is. It's been yeah. It's just been so many years of tough decisions. It's it's tough, man. Like when you you had your one like they've only had one top three pick since they lost me in the playoffs, which is quite surprising. And that was Marvin Bagley. When you miss on that big of a, a pick, you get a top two pick. It's tough to come back from, and they've drafted relatively well since then, thankfully. But then you trade away the guy that wanted to be there, that was your main piece in Halliburton. And Sabonis is a fine player, but you now got two years to get in the play-in. I don't expect Sabonis to re-sign unless there's just no market for him and he re-signs in Sacramento for a Supermax. I don't see it. I don't go into next year and look at Sacramento and say this is a top 10 team in the West. Like It's just not. Hey, I, I don't want to make this though. sound like a He's smaller deal. I don't want to make it sound like a smaller deal than it actually is, but Zion's returning to the Pelicans soon. He's, like, back in the building at least, doing some stuff there. And that's probably going to keep the Pelicans even, like, more better than the Kings than they already are. The Lakers, I'm sorry, the Sacramento Kings are not passing the Lakers, no matter how bad the Lakers get. LeBron James is not going to be below Sacramento in the standings. I mean, it could, even it could like, be LeBron and like 14 2K generics, and they're still going to be better than Sacramento Kings. And, and the, it does, even if they make the 10 seed, they're, they're losing the first game. They're losing they're not, the first game. They're not even better than the Portland Trailblazers, Gabe. Like, they're not even Anthony the Simons. Anthony Simons oh is better than their whole franchise. Like, bro, oh, the Kings are actually the 13th seed. This team is so embarrassing, man. So they're on embarrassing. A like, they're on a collision course with Seattle, man. They're, go- they're going to Seattle, Vegas. Seattle doesn't Kansas even deserve City, this. Louisville. So they're, they're going somewhere. I don't know where they're going. We might, we might have uh-huh. a 2019 league. Look, that, they, might be going, they might be going down to the G. I feel so bad for Kings fans because, bro – Looking at basketball hell. I don't blame him Welcome for being in denial, hell. wanting to think it's a good trade. I don't blame him. Like, if you do a win now trade, <laughs> you get worse. <laughs> you did a win now trade, and you got worse. Four like, and six in their last ten no, games. Now, literally, the only thing they can still hinge it on is the fact that the Bulls made the like Vucevic trade last year, continued to not be good, and then came out the next year. But they got a crazy plan, DeMar DeRozan. The Kings are not getting a DeMar DeRozan-level player that proceeds to play crazy the following season along with the two players they already have in place playing pretty well. Obviously, Vucevic hasn't been great this season, but you know what I mean. I think Vucevic They're not doing it better than people are giving him credit for. He's been fine. He's been fine. Yeah, especially the start of the year was rough, but after oh, the first terrible. 20 or so games, he's been, uh, 
He's been okay. Bro. Defense Look, has been the best yeah. he's ever been as well. Yeah, this – I don't know what the Kings can do to, like, salvage this at all. They they're just, once again, added to the long list of terrible decisions that this front office has made over the last decade and a half. Um, you could probably – you could go through a rabbit hole and go through all of the bad draft decisions they've made, all the bad trades, coaching decisions, hirings, firings, everything. There's probably, like – a long, long, long list somewhere on the internet about the Kings making mistakes. They fired the best coach they've had in the past, like, 10 years after the best season they've had in the past 10 years. And then hired Luke Walton. Luke Walton, bro. Like, yeah, come, yeah like, what, that season? All you need to do is sell the team. Yeah. You just need to sell the team. Like, I'm sorry. I, if, if this playoff drought extends to 20 – Bro, I know the other teams enjoy having like a like a laughing stock, so to be like, we're not the worst. But you got to step in and say, hey, this is where you're not competitive. You haven't been competitive for two decades. Like we got to do something about this. That's a problem. Yeah, you I know. Make like one playoff appearance, bro. Like that is ridiculous. I know the West has been so good at certain certain times. Like fifty win teams were eight seeds at one point. But dog, you can't get one playoff appearance in fifteen years. To make a comparison, like, in football, the Bills didn't make the playoffs for, like, 17 years straight. Yeah. But then they came out and, like, now they're, like, a perennial playoff contender. But, number one, it's a lot easier to rebuild in football. You can put together, like, one-year turnarounds a lot easier. I mean, we literally saw that, like, this year. But that's even – that's a sport where it's harder to make the playoffs. That At that time when they broke their playoff drought, 12 teams made the playoffs in that league. And it's like now when 16 out of 30 teams, you all you don't you can be below the top half of the league and still be an eight seed in the conference. And now with the play-in, you just have to be in the top two-thirds of the league and you have like at least some sort of postseason play. It's ridiculous. I, it's mm-hmm. funny we're talking about Sacramento. Because it's getting ridiculous, man. Hey, shout out to Boogie, man. I don't know how he got 31? this. Thirty one. Thirty one. Hey, I love seeing Boogie succeed, man. And I hope the Bucks really regret this decision. I know they got surged, but I hope they regret this decision, man. Let my guy go after he was playing great basketball for them. But yeah, I don't, what do y'all think about Denver? We kind of talked about him earlier, but if MPJ and Jamal Murray do come back. Could make them an interesting team once we get to the postseason. What do y'all think? They're giving opposing centers nightmares, literal nightmares. You're telling me you have Nikola Jokic, literally at worst the second best center in the NBA, the last year MVP, so still the reigning MVP until they crown a new one. And then the backup can drop a 30-piece? And, like, yeah, he's not going to do that consistently, but the man can produce on the offensive end. And so it's like, bro, what do we have here? This team has so many offensive pieces. I think if Jamal comes back and then MPJ is back, MPJ might be back to what he was doing last year. Maybe he's just more comfortable with that third option. Seemed to not be doing so well as a second option. Now that could say he maybe he was playing with the injury that was nagging him and bothering him. 
But if Jamal Murray comes back, a man well-known, very well-known to step his game up in the playoffs, that's going to be dangerous. Not to mention, this core together, they've played like four seven-game series together. So if things get deep, that's a team you can't count out. If you're going six or seven, Denver is, like, scary because they know what to do when they get into those deep series. So I know I was still calling the Warriors a contender, but if that ends up being a 3-6 matchup, you better watch out. Because if Jamal comes back playing like Jamal, night-night. You got you got to keep your foot on the gas or night-night. Do I yeah. think they're going to win the West? Absolutely not. But do I think they can give people problems and have an upset? They can have two upsets. They're the sixth seed right and they somehow upset the Warriors I could see them going in and upsetting Memphis I could definitely see it Jamal has more time back MPJ has more time back gelling more together they just have the momentum of beating like the Golden State Warriors yeah yeah now are they beating the Suns no the Suns and the Nuggets played last year I know Jamal wasn't in but bro Chris Paul torched that defense it was bad it was bad it was a sweep if i remember correctly so do i think that this nuggets core is beating this sun's core no but do i think that the suns could do something nasty yes i'm really high on denver i just i just don't think this year is their year uh even if jamal's back even if mpj is back they're both coming back from significant injuries it's going to take a bit of time. I think they're probably a first-round exit. Unless they move up to the five seed, maybe they can do something with Utah. But next year, yeah, I'm I'm really high on them. I think they'll be a legit title contender next year. But Jamal Murray will be after not playing basketball for a significant amount a of time, a, a significant lower body injury at that. Uh, MPJ, we know he's had struggles with back injuries. He's probably going to come back into the lineup and play – 10, 15 minutes a night for a while. He's going to have to take some time to get back in. So I like this team. I think they're still going to be a tough first-round series, but next year's their year as far as I'm concerned. They'll still be good, but it's going to be tough to get chemistry back, to get MPJ and Jamal Murray back healthy and conditioned and in basketball shape and playing well. I think it's a lot to ask in like 15, 20 games at most before the playoffs. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the good thing is this core is pretty much intact. Like, I think they even extended Aaron Gordon. So, like, they're pretty much intact. Like, everybody's going to be back. Health is just the biggest issue for this team, obviously. Because I was in the camp last year. I thought if they stayed healthy, I think that was the team that's going to win the Western Conference. Just how good Jokic was. And we know, like Gabe said, Jamal Murray's a playoff killer. And MPJ was playing comfortably as that third option. But then injuries hit. And obviously did not work out that way. So hopefully if I was if I was this team, I would just be comfortable with however this season plans out. Let Murray fully recover. Let MPJ have a full offseason to recover and just come back next year. And like you said, next year should be this this season. Like that's the window for this team, like you said. So I don't think they should rush these guys back, but if they do, it can it can make it a little more interesting in the West, maybe. But then those guys gotta ramp it back up after not playing for so long, it could be a lot to ask. It's not worth re-aggravating their injuries this season. It's not worth it. It's just – it's that Warriors matchup that really intrigues me. I would still take the Warriors, but I'm sitting here thinking about it, right? 
you have Jamal Murray back on the basketball court, he's probably being guarded by Steph Curry on ball or Klay Thompson off an Achilles injury. Even if, he's not even if he's not 100% Jamal Murray, the Warriors' defensive guards do not look great right now. Like Gary Payton. Gary Payton, though. Hey, they do have Gary Payton. Too. Gary Payton, he's going to have to take that starting spot or something. The mitten. But I, I think, yeah. <laughs> Jokic, bro. Especially, I don't know what Draymond's status is right now, but if he's not back in the full swing, Jokic Even if he is in problem. Yeah, I mean, Jokic. Draymond's a great defender, but on ball, one on one against Jokic, Jokic. Great offense usually beats great defense. Definitely interesting for sure. Um, yeah, the West is kind of it's wild as it always is. Um, what teams have y'all been like really impressed with lately in the Western Conference? Minnesota's been really good. Like what I've been yeah, seeing. Minnesota now. having a positive record this far into the season is. It's new. It's a it's a it's a culture shift. It's yes. unexpected. They've had hot starts so many years that then they'll just lose like fifteen in a row. And then Cat literally mentioned it and they played a lot better. A team I really want to shout out, the Clippers. Clip ganger don't bang, apparently. These boys <laughs> nope like Paul George went out, we said, Hey, the season's over. That's it. But now they still have a winning record, still the eight seed. And Say Paul George comes back before the end of the year. Hey, they could get a playoff spot through that play-in tournament. They could do it without him, to be honest with you. That team is like – they just remind me so much of a March Madness type of team, like a Cinderella, because it's just like you expect them to be down and out, but they just find ways to win games with whoever's on the court. Tyron um, Lue. That's what I was about to say. Shout-out Ty Lue, man. He really changed that culture – drastically because it looked terrible after the bubble but then last season especially with the playoff run everything that they went up against Ty Lue really shifted the culture for the Clippers and that's why they're probably going to make the playoffs which is a big that's a big time W even if Paul George was healthy this season I think that's still a big time win for them it'll be a win for them next year too they've got a lot of young guys that have gotten more opportunity because of some of these injuries Taco Brand and Boston having some good opportunities Amir Coffey's had his moments Luke Kennard has gotten more minutes and has looked really well so that's only going to help them moving in the next year as well kind of like when Golden State had their injuries for a couple of years some of these young guys now when you look at guys like Damian Lee Toscano Anderson Jordan Poole these guys that started to get minutes to actually be able to learn the system and the Clippers are kind of getting the same thing this year they just uh, it's just something about this team. It's just like the culture they've set and the way they play. They just do whatever it takes, it seems like. It's just – I feel like the scariest team is the team that you don't know what the heck is about to happen. Like, it's so hard to key in because if you look at this team, bro, you really don't know who's going to have a big night. It's almost a similar identity to this Clippers team that was an eight seed, if I'm not mistaken, before they got Kawhi and Paul George. Like, just a, a bunch of hardworking guys, really good defense. That was with Shea and them boys. Beverly. And yeah, like, that was just a hardworking, good identity, tough-nosed team. Yeah, I think it really shows that Reggie Jackson can really be the point guard with Kawhi and PG. Definitely. Like, so he can really be their third. Then they, they keep Morris around. 
keep Terrence man, Terrence man around. Sorry, and got so many other pieces well. they've got. Like I think they've got they definitely developed a lot of guard play with their top players out. I yeah. think Zubac has shown what he is. He show, he's shown for a long time what he is. Hartenstein's honestly played pretty well as a backup big. He's been good. He's they've been, been good. They've been putting a lot of good things together. And it's like, talk about maximizing your opportunities. You said, okay, this isn't our year. They did just about as well as they can do. Sure. A team I've been impressed with lately, um, the Pelicans, since the CJ trade, they've been playing really, really good basketball. And with Zion coming back, like we mentioned earlier, I don't know. It could be interesting. Maybe they can sneak into the playoffs, maybe win a couple playing games. Who knows? It just makes the West and the whole league just that much more compelling. I'm glad to see Zion's looking like he's on track to play at some point, which is definitely a good thing. But the CJ addition has that was one of the biggest trades of the deadline that I think kind of got, you know, swept under the rug because of the James Harden trade and, you know, Ben Simmons moving teams. But this this was a very good deal by the Pelicans, and David Griffin might have saved his job, honestly. He might have saved his job with that move. Yeah, hey, they've, been, they've been a winning team since that 1-12 start. They're a better team than 27-36. and 36. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Shoto Jackson Hayes as well. Moved into the starting lineup, played power forward. He's been good since. He's been playing good, which is crazy. Shout out to Cincinnati's finest. <laughs> Shout out Jackson Hayes. But, yeah, like you said earlier, Devin, this has been a wild week of basketball. A very really crazy has. week of basketball. It really has. Man, it's been a month now to the playoffs. Hour. It's going to be a good end. We, we ain't even talked about Cam Johnson, and it's been an hour. <laughs> Hey, a great week for Carolina basketball, so got to clap it up, man. You love to see it. Shout out Cam Johnson. 100%. 100%. Even better than Kobe White. Kobe White said, Cam Johnson got drafted that high. He should have been drafted <laughs> higher than Kobe. Yeah, it's been, that's crazy. Facts. <laughs> the bottom of the Eastern Conference is definitely still pretty tight. Uh, there isn't necessarily teams that are showing off as much as they are in the bottom of the West, uh, but what are your guys' – favorite teams on the run right now in the Eastern Conference? Aside from the Celtics, um, <laughs> man, this is probably such a cop-out answer, but Philly, I really enjoy watching them. Tyrese Maxey as the third option looks amazing. James Harden looks like James Harden. And MB doesn't have to put up 40 and 15 every single night for them to win games. Um, the only thing that worries me about them is like, Tobias right now, but if Maxie's playing this good, maybe they don't they don't need Tobias to be, you know, 18 points per game. But he, he seems like he's really struggling to kind of find his rhythm, which maybe that could come into a factor in a in a playoff series. But right now I really like this team. The defense has been pretty good. Watching them's been fun, even though they do shoot a lot of free throws, but that's fine. I'm cool with that. They've been playing really good and they honestly look a lot better than I anticipated coming off of this big trade. Hey, I might I might become the new president of the Tyrese Maxey fan club. I don't I don't know why I just like watching him play so much. It's probably just a classic speedy guard that gets a lot of buckets thing. Always exciting, but something about him, bro. He is he is special. And the way that he has only improved since adding another ball dominant guard to the like equation, 
that's like, it just feels weird. You would think, okay, you know, their backcourt's been a little, like, thin this season. The guy who is their point guard, uh, really, like, their primary ball handler is what I mean to say. He wasn't playing, like, the whole season. So you think, okay, he's the main backcourt guy getting touches. Obviously, he's going to have some big numbers. But, now nah, he's showing now, like, it's legit. It wasn't just, like, because there was a thin backcourt. He has James Harden playing next to him and is still putting up really good numbers. Now, you could say that alleviates more of the defensive pressure on him, and that could be why his numbers have been so great as of recent. But whatever it is, I am beyond impressed. And it really doesn't feel like a duo. It feels like a big three the way they've been playing. Like, I see all the, the Harden and Embiid, but Maxi is crazy. Another team I've yeah. been I'm 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 very impressed generally with the Heat. Um, I think my biggest thing with them is like they just always seem to take care of business no matter the circumstance. We've talked about every team's dealt with injury, and the two teams that have probably dealt with it the best is Miami and Phoenix. And we talk constantly about how great Phoenix is. So I want to give Miami some of their flowers. They played like a month of basketball without Bam. They had some time without Jimmy. Kyle Lowry hasn't played in a while, and they still just managed to always take care of things. They did blow a pretty big one against the Bucks, but, hey, you're playing against Milwaukee on the road. Giannis playing great. Drew Holiday was playing great. Chris made some clutch shots. Sometimes the game just falls the way it does. But for the most part, it's like they just beat the Sixers. Yeah, it was on a back-to-back. Still did. Beat the Nets recently. Beat the Bulls recently. I mean – these are the teams you're going to be contending with in the conference. Whatever you want to say about how those teams have been playing recently. The Heat, even when they're down, man, they always contend with the, the best of the conference. And so it's like you can never count this team out no matter what, which just goes to show how good Spolstra is, how good this team's depth and player development is. And just Jimmy is a culture setter. Ever since he stepped into that building, this team has been a force to be reckoned with. They did have a misstep last season's playoffs, but – I mean, if you lose to the eventual champions, you lose to the eventual champions. Yeah, definitely. Miami have definitely been good. And as you mentioned, they've struggled a lot with injuries. Sure, some other teams have as well. But the fact that they have been able to get to the number one seed in the East through it all is a testament to their culture, their ethic, and how good they've been able to do with some of the depth pieces they've found and how well they've performed. Talking about guys like Kay Vincent, here at seven, Max Struess. Those guys have performed very well. Uh, and briefly, just back to Philly for a second. It's interesting to see as well how good Maxi has been with Harden now in the backcourt for a guy that's not like a traditional off-ball catch-and-shoot three-point guy. He likes to attack the rim, has a really good floater game, and yet he's still fit in really well off the ball with another guard. So it's nice to see that that's not an exclusive thing where you just need to be a catch-up spotting shooter around a guy like James Harden. You can have a guy like Maxi who can still attack the rim through that ball movement and creation that James Harden has. So full, kudos, full kudos to him. I got to give a shout out to the Pistons, which is not something that I often do, but one, they continue to beat the Raptors, which annoys the heck out of me, but fair play. They apparently know what to do to beat us, but this has been their best stretch of basketball all year. Uh, they've won two in a row. They've won five of their last 10. Cade's been playing really well. Uh, Marvin Bagley has played some of the best basketball he's played in the last few years. I think that move was great for him and great for Detroit. Uh, Sadiq Bey has been playing quite well. Jeremy Grant has been playing quite well. 
there's a lot of positive signs here in Detroit, and there's probably still a couple of years away from being a team that we look at as a playoff team, but kudos to them. They've been playing well, and hopefully Marvin Bagley can continue to play well as well and have a bit of a future here in Detroit. It'd be nice to see him pan out a bit. Yeah, that's a team that um, I made a video earlier in the season about them. They just – they're I think they're just doing the rebuild, like how it should be done, just stockpiling young talent, um, taking chances on guys that other situations didn't work out for them. And they got their building blocking Cade. And I think Cade still somehow not being talked a lot about as among like the rookies, which he's been phenomenal. But I think he's going to be, he's going to be on that tier. Like how we look at some of the best young stars right now. I think he's going to reach that tier within the next few years, man. I think he's really special and he's going to show it soon, man. And I think Detroit, um, after what happened with the Stan Van Gundy era and them giving guys back contracts, like, you know, Drummond being there, Blake Griffin, they got out of that. And I think they're slowly but surely rebuilding this team the right way. And I'm excited for their future. Yeah, I agree. And they started that rebuild with a Luke Kennard trade that got them a first round pick and having to essentially just get rid of Drummond and Griffin. So the fact they are where they are, kudos to them. They've done well. The Pistons, yeah. I feel like I've mentioned several times on this podcast how, how great their front office has been. They're they're winning at the great like the greatest time too. The season's pretty much already over for them. It's like you know you're gonna be in contention for the number one pick, top three pick, regardless, somewhere in there. And so the fact that you're winning games now is like cool. Let's set some winning culture as we move towards next season. Go out on a high note and say, okay, we can we can be some good teams in this league with this core. And as we continue to build it, then add another top five pick, we could really be something special soon. Because I think when teams stay when teams stay bad for a really long time, that's when you start to see bad cultures set. That's when you start to see a lot of bad habits, and there starts to be a lot of turmoil. But the fact that they said, "Okay, we're gonna blow it up, get some good pieces, and then we're gonna go back to being good and set a good tone," I like that. One more thing, as I continue to stand the heat. One more thing I want to bring up about them that I think is really underrated. They only have five road games left. They have played a lot more road games than home games. Nine of their next 10 games are at home. And these games, like, they play the Rockets. Then the Suns come into town. Cavs come into town. But then in this, like, stretch, they have Pistons at home. They have Thunder at home, Knicks at home, Kings at home. They've played a lot of their toughest games. They've played almost all of their road games, and they're still the one seed right now. This team is insane to me. The fact that you're the one seed and have people out, you've played away way more than you've played at home. It's like an eight or nine game difference from like home games to away games. I, I'll stay in the heat, man. Honestly, that's a team that I I don't want to see in a seven-game series, man. Um, The culture is just super elite. The culture is just super elite. Like, and they just, they just find, like, they find guys out of nowhere, bro. Like, their their scouting uh, staff has to be the best in in the league. Um, The Raptors also do a very good job at this, too. Just finding guys, like, out of nowhere. Like, Gabe Vincent... Where did he come from? Don't know. Max Struess, I never heard of him until, like, last season. 
year seven had a very good stretch of games when Ben was out. Like, they just find people out of nowhere. They just find guys, undrafted guys. They do it every single year. And they come in, they produce, they play really good basketball. And ultimately, they help them win critical games when it matters the most. Hey, people didn't know the difference between the Martin twins a year ago. Now I feel like people know <laughs> Caleb's the better one because he's a part of that heat culture. Definitely. Tyler Hero broke off of his sophomore slump. He's back to being exactly what we expected him to be. Yes. Making me look like I know how to predict awards because that's one that I did <laughs> predict him winning six men of the year, which he should win it. And every other one that I predicted was don't talk wildly off. <laughs> you feel me? But, hey, Tyler Hero, he's saving me, man. He's saving me. Yeah. Definitely the East is – I don't know, but still, as good as the Heat have been, I don't know if they've really separated themselves as, like, we're the best team in the conference. I'm still not so sure about that. I think it's the Heat in Philly. Like, I really think – I don't know, man. Something – it just is not looking like it's the Bucs' year. They could obviously pull something out. I think when you have a player of Giannis's caliber, you're always in it. He's reached that level of respect for me. I don't think you can ever count Giannis out of a series. But, like, I think it's not the Bulls' year. The Celtics, while they've been a lot better, there's still enough inconsistency to be a little worried. Cavs, to me, are just a little bit too young. I don't think the Raptors have the top-end talent to do it. And then the Nets should have the talent and the ability. But they're a nine seed right now. And so it's hard for me to say they're, like, on that top tier of the conference right now. So to me, it's really those top two. I think I think it's going to be one of those two that come out of this conference at the end of the day. And to me, the Heat have the best chance because the the Sixers and the Bucks right now would be playing each other in the second round. So if that standing holds, now if the Bucks fall back to four or five, and then it's Heat Bucks three in the third round, or I mean the second round, that would be very fun to watch and very interesting because. The Heat took one round convincingly. The Bucks took one round convincingly. It would it would be a sight to see. But if if the Bucks and Sixers play each other in the second round, I think the Heat go all the way to the finals. I'll take. <laughs> you heard it here first. I, yeah. Um. Yeah. The Bulls. I'm definitely. I'm kind of concerned. I can't lie. I'm actually kind of concerned about the Bulls. Like when I. The only team I could, like, see them beating in the top six is, like, Cleveland. And Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, they like, struggle I, too much against good teams. Like, no bias. I don't think that they could – I think they could beat the Celtics, but I don't think it's, like – I would probably take the Celtics in that series. It would probably be, like, a seven-game series, but I think I would take Boston. I would say the same. I think the Bulls can definitely beat Boston, especially with, like, if Zoe and Caruso are in full swing. But if I was a betting man, I'm probably putting my money on Boston. Yeah, I would as well. Yeah, I'm actually – I'm kind of concerned about the Bulls, man. They just – I know they're dealing with injuries and stuff, which is kind of big, but they still got the top-end talent on their roster. And, man, it's just – it's kind of a theme if you can't beat the good teams. Like, it's cool that you beat the teams that you're supposed to beat, but – you got to at least be like batting 500 against the, the great teams. And they're not even, they're like, what, two and 18 or, two and 18 something, and like eight or something like that? As of a week ago, yeah. That is, that's bad. It's bad. 
I don't know. We'll see, though. They've been struggling. The Cavs have been struggling. And it seems like everybody else in the East is trending upwards, and those two teams are kind of on the downswing right now. I mean, to me, the the fact that the Cavs are, like, in the playoffs as, like, an actual, like, secure seed, not a play-in seed, I think that's already a W of a season. So even if they start to hit a little bit of a wall, maybe Mobley hits a little bit of a rookie wall, you know, they start to throw some more things at, like, Darius and Jarrett, which Darius Garland has still been playing great. I know he was out for a little bit, but even recently in their losses, he's played very well. They might throw some things at them to slow them down a little bit, but the fact that this team has come this far this season and is still pretty young and has a lot of room to grow, W season. So it's not something I'm concerned about because I didn't expect them to contend this year anyways. Still exceeding expectations to the highest degree. 100%. But with the with the age of the Bulls and the stage they're at, yeah, I know they didn't really come into the season as a title contender, but I feel like they should have been at least a little bit more competitive against the top end. And it's just like, are we going to see this version of the Mortar DeRozan next year or the year after that? I'm not sure. I'm not 100% sure because he is getting he's getting older. So it's like kind of got to capitalize on what you got right now. This is probably the best version of DeMar that you will get in this three-year deal. And the fact that they just can't beat good teams is just not a good sign because when you get to the postseason, especially where they're about to be seated, most likely, you're going to play a good team no matter who you're going up against. So it's highly concerning. But like you said about the Cavs, it is nice that they did, like they're having a successful season. But they made the trade at the deadline, the Karis LeVert deal. I feel like that was kind of like, okay, we want to we want to at least be super competitive in the playoffs, like try and win a series. And now it's like, I don't know if they're going to win a series. The biggest problem with this team is like health. It's just like these their guys are not all healthy at the same time, which is definitely unfortunate. But I don't know. Those teams, it's not the best time to be not playing your best basketball. I'll say that much. Yeah, definitely. On the point of DeMar, I think the one good thing is for him is that he's kind of molded his game over the years to rely a lot less on athleticism. So between his finesse and his footwork and just his intelligence of the game, he'll probably still be fine for the the rest of this contract. But I do agree this is probably the best basketball we're going to see from DeMar. It's tough because I didn't think the Bulls were going to be this good. But at the same time, they have committed a lot to this group. So you would like to think that they can at least be at least a second-round appearance regular, which doesn't look to be a lock right now. So it remains to be well, seen. Well, I think, I think that going forward, Zach Levine can continue to improve as much as DeMar could decline. Because really, DeMar's yeah. been so crazy recently. Zach Levine hasn't had to do as much. Obviously, he's still had great performances, but he hasn't. Like, it's not relied on him to do as much. So, it's like, if he comes out and he starts playing crazy, I mean, they could definitely do something. They have the talent to compete. The fact that they're missing their two best defensive guards is really shooting them in the foot. It's like, it's one of those things where I I was talking about, like, with the Warriors early in the episode. It's like, it's hard to – like decipher what they are now because of the injury factors and like we saw them be great while those pieces were in place but also with them their record is so egregiously terrible against the good teams that you can still take somewhat of a takeaway and say okay yeah this is so pretty concerning 
I did not realize Zach Levine was only 26 years old. He seems so much older for some reason. I don't know why. And I also just found out I had the exact same birthday as Ayo Desumu. Like, same same day, same year, same age. That's Didn't know that. Learn something new every day. Hey, Ayo Desumu, man. He's, that's, he might get that all-rookie first team. He might get it as the Ooh. second guard. Interest. I think rookie team is not positional, if I'm not mistaken. If it was, I would say him, Cade, Scotty, Mobley. Nah. Giddy has to be Giddy first. Giddy would be bro. there, yeah. You think yeah. Giddy? Giddy, Giddy would definitely get it. Okay. He's won yeah. every rookie of the month in the West, bro. He's big. <laughs> He's been crazy. That's just because so many of the great rookies are in the East. East but, true. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. I will probably yeah. go I'll give Giddy the night. Io's probably second team. Scotty, yeah. Mobley, Cade, Giddy. Who would be the fifth guy? Franz, maybe? Probably Franz. Probably, I forgot about Franz. Yeah, probably Franz. Dang, Jalen Green might be second team. Then you'd go, yeah, Jalen, Io. Would Jalen Green, Green be any team? Yeah, Jalen. He'd be second team. Okay, now. He'd be second team. Let me chill. Let me chill. Let me chill. Let me chill. But they didn't. Did RJ Barrett not make? He's been amazing lately, too. RJ Barrett doesn't make any kind of team, bro. I don't understand. Did he not make? He didn't make all rookie second team either? Bro. They still make like top 25, like top whatever under 25, and do not put RJ out on this. Like, I don't, the man is dropping 40 point games. I don't get it. have given up so early on RJ. He's still 21. Look, everybody, we all know I don't like Duke basketball at all. (laughs) But once they get to the league, I can respect him. And I really like, I think RJ, even when he was a rookie, I mean, he wasn't great, but you're telling me he couldn't make. Oh, rookie second team, you still putting up like 13, 14 a night for a bad I Knicks mean, team. The best player on your team is from Duke, so. I mean, yeah. You got to be. True, but it's like, I don't I don't get the RJ hate. Like, why does he get so much slander? And when he hoops, nobody gives him his credit. It's just ridiculous. I don't even feel like it's slander. I feel like people just don't talk about him. And he plays for the Knicks. Yeah. Like all it's Nick like, slander this all Nick slander is basically Julius Randle. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. So I wouldn't <laughs> say RJ is getting slandered. It's just like RJ is not He's neglected. He's not getting yeah, he's just not getting that attention. And but, yeah. I get that the team is not has not been very successful, but that has never stopped us before from acknowledging like RJ recently has probably been as good as like Jack Levine was when the Bulls were bad. I think that's fair to say. That's a good comparison. I'm trying to look at his numbers because I feel like yeah, he. I know, might I know be Zach averaging. got some hate. Devin Booker used to get some hate. Now Devin Booker then was probably better than RJ is now, but yeah, but like, but then players like that that would play on like struggling teams, they get some hate, but like at least they would get attention. And the Knicks have a giant fan base. His last four games, dropped forty six against Miami. He had, he had 24 against Philly, and he dropped 30 against Philly, and then he, he put up a stinker against the, the Suns. But he's been very good lately, especially over this last, like, I would say, like, three weeks or so. He's been really good. His numbers on the season look fine. Um, I'm, I'm, in the camp, I'm in the camp of 
this is his team. I think this should should be his team moving forward, man. Julius Randle, what he did last year, it was great. But we're not going to see that version of Julius Randle ever again. And they gave him a super bag because of that season, which sucks. But, yeah, the the honeymoon phase is definitely over with the Julius Randle um, Knicks success. And now it's like we're back to reality of this is Julius Randle. This is who he is. Yeah, they're, they're going to have an interesting offseason to figure out because RJ's eligible for an extension. You got Randall's contract, whether he stays around. I mean, the two highest paid guys on this team are guys that are arguably bad – well, not arguably, are bad contracts right now in Randall and yeah. Fournier. They they could be a team that has an interest in offseason. Mitchell Robinson's going to be a, a UFA as well, so they got some decisions to make. He's, un, he's unrestricted? Yeah, because he was a second-round pick, so he was a, a two-and-two. <laughs> I really hope they jump in the draft and take like just a star. That Julius Rand or not Julius Randle, RJ Barrett, and then if they draft like a star, because RJ's still young enough to be paired with somebody else. Definitely still young enough. It's like his third year. But him with like just some other explosive young guy that brings some excitement to the city. I feel like they they could get back to doing some pretty good things. Cause they still got good pieces. I think it's just it looked like they rebuilt really fast because of how great Randall was. But that kind of showing itself to be a, a bit of a fluke now. Yeah, this team is kind of where it was before in terms of the rebuild. Sake. Like 13 games under 500 right now. This is probably where they should have been in year three. It just sucks that it almost like sucks that they were good enough last year to where their pick was really bad. To yeah. now that that production of Randall is not maintained, it's like they missed an extra year they could have rebuilt to be a more sustainable team going forward. But, hey, if they get somebody else to put along RJ and keep Mitchell Robinson in town, a couple other valuable players for them to stay in there, they, they're not too many pieces away from being solid again. I don't think all hope is lost in New York. For this season, all hope is lost. But, like, as far as long-term plans go for building around RJ – you're fine, I, I believe. But the Knicks, they actually draft pretty well. When it's outside the lottery, they do a pretty good job of drafting. So um, maybe it's just a down year for them, potentially. But I don't know. Like Devin said, this offseason can be very enticing for them, you know, because maybe Tibbs is gone. He might be gone um, after this season. Uh, maybe you try to move Julius Randle. It's – I don't know, man. This team could look drastically different next year. Um, I'm interested, but I don't know. I just – I feel like they got some decent young pieces. I think RJ is a – I don't know if he's a franchise guy, but he can be a building block moving forward, like a part of, you know, the future of the franchise. Give Cam Reddish more minutes. I don't see why you traded a first-round pick to get him, to not play him. It's just so weird, bro. Um, the season's lost. You're not making the play-in. Just go ahead, develop your young talent, and see what happens in the offseason. I mean, they have plenty of solid pieces. It's like – Obi Toppin can be a starting forward. If you somehow decide to move on from Julius Randle, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know if that's possible. But if you did, it's like if you really hit big on a draft pick, which you definitely can at like a seven spot, I mean, guys that have been drafted are like six, seven. Let's, let's not even talk about some of those names. But, like, Mitchell Robinson, R.J. Barrett, Obi Toppin, and then bringing, like, 
another star guard, you could set up a pretty solid core. Do they have like, their I don't think that's bad at all. I'm not sure if they do, to be honest. Or is that, I don't, is that going to Atlanta? I don't see why they – did they trade a first-round pick? I feel like uh, – because I saw something that they might not have their pick this year. But maybe I'm wrong. They might have their pick. Uh, their first round pick is it looks like it's top eighteen protected. Pick yeah, would defer right. to twenty twenty three because the pick is currently in the top eighteen. Okay. So, so yeah, so, they need to okay. hit on a pick this year because it looks like they're not gonna get their pick for next year. All right, that's decent. Okay. They still have a uh, a Dallas first coming in next year as well. Not that that'll be a a top end pick, but but hey, the, the way Spencer Dinwiddie's been, the way Spencer Dinwiddie's been, don't y'all sleep on Dinwiddie. That trade's looking that's, great right now. That's my guy. I told you, boy. I told you, boy. He could, be, he could be nice for a team. I th- you guys said, oh, I don't know if he's a good NBA player anymore. I said, nah, Spence. I didn't say all that. I just said this is a bad year for him. <laughs> yeah, not a good. I, I was high. I was only, high on Dinwiddie, and it's looking it's looking like a hot take. It's looking like a hot take. The only player I've said openly that is no longer a good NBA player is DeAndre Jordan. That's the only guy I've been adamantly saying he's not an NBA player anymore. <laughs> I said it about Davis Bertans. I'm not gonna lie. Oh my God, he's 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 had okay moments with with the Mavs. Yeah, he's been fine. He's been fine. But the way Luca, like, Luca's so good, he doesn't need that much help <laughs> no, to make doesn't. it super Not in the regular season. Not in the regular season, he don't need that much help. But, like, we we see how it goes in the playoffs. He, he needs But look, it. but in the postseason, like, those first two games in L.A. last year, he was getting, like, so much. Like, if he gets production from his others, like Tim Hardaway Jr. was shooting the lights out. Maxi Kleber was shooting the lights out. Like if he's if he's getting production from guys like that, him himself can like swing a series because he's just that good. So I'm interested to see like whoever matches up with them in the first round, he's giving them absolute hell. Yeah, we've he, yet to see him play on a in a playoff series against a team that doesn't have two of the top five wings in the league. And he yeah. was still torching them, bro. And then he was headhunting Pat Bev last year. Luka especially, if if they can get some type of performances like this from Dinwiddie in the postseason, they could upset – I don't want to say upset because they're probably going to be like a five seed, but they could beat a team in the first round, depending on who yeah, they, they match up with. I think it's fair they beat the Jazz, for sure. Yeah. And so, Brunson's none, better than he was last year. Like he's saved yeah. Dinwiddie there now. If those guys perform, I think there's a chance, for sure. Nobody believes in the Jazz on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't got no belief in them. Regular season, yeah. I'll count them in as a four seed, as a top four seed. After that, I, I, I lost hope after last year because I I was kind of saying like I'm kind of bought in. I think they can make a deep run, and then they lost in the second round. So I'm just I'm done. I'm kind of giving them the Bucks treat. I'm kind of giving them the Bucks treatment that I gave the Bucks last year. I don't really believe in y'all until y'all prove me otherwise. They were going against playoff P in a big time game with Kawhi <laughs> injured. All the leverage in the world. At home. What did they do? What did they do? They got beat. They got sent to Cancun by Terrence Mann. 
All respect to Terrence Mann. Terrence Mann should not be swinging a playoff series. What college did he go to? <laughs> you got me messed up. Uh, Florida State. Florida <laughs> Man, that just looks terrible on me. It does. Love me, love me some love, love me some Florida State products, man. Shout out to Jalen Ramsey. Shout out to Scotty Barnes. Shout out to Dalvin Cook. Shout out to uh, Patrick Williams. Shout out to shout out to a lot of people. John Isaac, is he ever playing basketball again? Probably not. Ever since he ever since he didn't kneel. Ever since he didn't kneel. Let me let me not get too out of pocket. Let me not get too out of pocket. <laughs> but ever since he didn't kneel in the bubble, that man. I'll play basketball. Bro, the bubble took some people's souls. Like, we haven't seen TJ, TJ Warren since the bubble. Yeah. John Isaac. Like, there's so many guys that went into the bubble and did not come out, bro. And John oh, Isaac's man. already got seven mil- 70 million guaranteed. He's chilling. He's good. That's, I hope we see him play, though. He was looking really yeah, good before he got injured. Bro, I, I feel like we talked about this last week. I don't we know. did. Maybe we, we did. did. I like John He was Isaac. really in – he was in his bag in the bubble, bro. Like, he was hitting tweens, step backs. I'm like, okay. Then he got hurt. I'm like, dang. Shout out to Markel for coming back, though, man. I'd love to see him coming back. Jumper looks pretty decent. The midi was going down. Um, I think he's just a guy that everybody roots for, and hopefully he continues to find his way in the league. We're an hour and a half in, and we just ended up on Orlando talk, bro. This podcast is crazy. <laughs> Can't say we don't give love to the small markets. Yeah. Thanks. We talked about, talked about the business for, like, five minutes. <laughs> bro i live in ohio of course i'm gonna give love to the small markets you know in the middle of nowhere canada it's gotta be done, gotta be done. Uh, i think, I think um, that's a fun place to probably wrap it up yeah yeah i think that's a great place to wrap it up talking about the orlando magic <laughs> let us Shout know your let us know Shugs. your picks should jalen Suggs have been picked ahead of scotty barnes let us know. Let us know. Let us Although, know down below. Scotty Barnes has got to be the guy. So if you answer yeah. other than that, you're wrong. But nonetheless, <laughs> let us know what you That's think. Let us know your contenders for the East and the Western Conference headed into the playoffs. We thank you guys for tuning in and watching again this week. Be sure to leave a like down below, follow, subscribe, wherever you are watching. We appreciate you, and we'll see you guys again next week. Peace. <laughs>